At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It's nighttime on the streets of Harlem. The action of the day is over, and people are in bed. But this is the city that doesn't sleep, and crime is forever. It is in this setting that Luke Cage does his rounds, looking for trouble so he can put an end to it. Noticing a flash from a nearby alleyway, Cage cautiously rounds the corner to check the reason for the disturbance. He is surprised, however, to see the figure of a police officer standing in the alley and nothing else. You need help, officer? Cage calls out. The cop turns around, does a computation upon seeing Harlem's protector, and without a word, rushes forward to kill Luke Cage and save his own future. It's Power Man versus Judgment Day. It's Defender versus Skynet. It's Luke Cage versus the T-1000. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Sicanis. In today's episode, we have one of the most requested characters among our fan base, the Legion of Audience, of course, finally making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show. In one corner, you have Luke Cage, the star of his own Netflix series, who will also hopefully appear in the MCU in the not-too-near future, versus the T-1000, the villain from clearly the best movie in the Terminator franchise. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed, 
And this particular battle actually has been debated quite a bit. Really? This really surprised me. Something happened about six to seven years ago where a number of debates and debate websites, you know, start talking about this actual matchup. However, it was just more like who would win, people would give an opinion. So there was never a clear conclusion ever reached until today that is. So Ray, you got to tell me, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I first off just want to say, I never know when we put these matchups together because they all seem good to me. They all seem good on paper. The boardroom puts the whole thing together, and then we go. And then, like last week, nobody had ever discussed Shredder versus Nightcrawler, which blew my mind. That, to me, was an obvious pairing uh, of two people to go against and was a very close battle. I'm just saying I never know what people have been discussing or not discussing. So when you say this was discussed a whole lot six, seven years ago, I assume that's like when Luke Cage, the TV show, came out. I, I Time is a flat circle. I don't know what's happening anymore. But uh, uh, that's great. I'm excited for this matchup. I think this is an interesting matchup, and I can't wait to win it. That's, that's to be seen. You know, Ray, like last week we got hit. I told you we got hit up with a lot of questions, and I said, hey, let's read some of them online or on the air, I should say. And that just uh, opened the floodgates. We got hit with a whole lot more uh, questions this week. By I'm... the way, Legion of Audience, keep them coming. And uh, some of them, there's one that's really great, but let me read three of them and, and just get through them real quick. Okay. So, Ray, this question's from you. Uh, this is from a fan on Facebook. Uh, Race to Canis, would you rather admit that Iceman is an Omega-level mutant or give up Burger King forever? I am a fan of the Burger King. I am not a fan of the Iceman pretending to be an Omega-level mutant. This could be this right. could be the hardest decision that we've ever had on the show. I would say I would have to give up Burger King in this. I know in, in an upset. I will never I will never give Iceman Omega level credit because he never actually rises to that le level. It's always theory crafting. I just got a text from uh, the from the Burger King saying that they will not allow this. Uh, this will completely wreck uh, their business as a whole. Question number two. This is from Instagram. This is a fan for, uh, question for me. Uh, James, is the intoxicating mind fog a superpower or is it something you can teach someone to do? Here's the deal. It's not a superpower, and I could teach someone how to do it, but I won't. Next question. Okay, this is the one I was talking about. Question number three. After last week's episode of the Who Would Win show, mm -hmm. will overtime be a new part of the show overall? No. So, no. Like, hold on, Ray. Let's give a little no. context here. So, last week, it was a, it, we had Kevin Go uh, Goatee from Gutting the, the Sacred uh, Cow podcast. Here's the deal, and he called for an overtime at the end of point number three after Ray's rebuttal of my point, and we were both kind of left scrambling. Some of the fans loved it. I'm not so sure I like it too much. Ray, what do you think? I thought it worked fine for what it was in that episode. I'm not getting in the habit of calling for all the overtimes all the time because I prepare three points and three counterpoints, and I do not. I'm not getting paid for overtime. Uh, I am not here for overtime. I will not be doing more overtimes. That was a one-off, just like Iceman being on the show and getting his non-Omega mutant butt handed to him, okay? So, thank you. Ray, the only thing that you said that troubled me a little bit is that you don't get paid for overtime. You're not getting paid for the show, period. Is yeah, but correct? I'm also not getting paid for overtime. That's fair. Now, here's the deal. A legion of audience, keep the questions coming. We love it when you do. Feel free to DM Ray directly. He loves it. No, stop uh, it. I do not. I <laughs> I can hear the screaming on the other part of L.A. where I live. I'm in the nice area of L.A., and I can hear it. 
And so all these questions are great. So keep them coming, Legion of Minds. Now, speaking of great things, it's time to introduce our guest judge. <laughs> Making another appearance on the Hoodwin Show. He's soon to be starring on Abbott Elementary on ABC. He's going to be starring on The Author on Paramount Plus, And he's also one of the contributors to the new Rockstars channel on YouTube. This guy is everywhere. We love it. It's fan favorite and comedian extraordinaire. It's the one and only Tommy Bechtold. Tommy, welcome back uh, to Who Would Win. I am so glad to be here. I had to bail on you guys a couple weeks ago, and I felt horrible. So I'm fresh. I'm ready to judge this battle. And I've got a great T-1000 anecdote to throw in later on. And and I'm just happy to be back, guys. Thanks for having me back. You're appearing everywhere. Again, you're you're on Abbott Elementary. You're on uh, The Author and Paramount Plus. You know, tell, Is there more coming? I mean, you're a star already, but well, you're going to be appearing on all these different shows. What is going on with Tommy Bechtold? I did The Author on Paramount Plus, and I got to wrestle with Lou Ferrigno on that show. Wow. And to me... I've been out here for 15 years. I hung it up after that. I was like, I'm, I called my managers. I called my agent. I said, I'm just done. I said, that was that was all I needed. I said, I got me, me and Sweet Lou tussled. And that was all I needed. That that was, a, you know, I remember watching the Mr. Rogers episode with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno where they explained why you shouldn't be afraid of Lou. Yeah. They did like the whole makeup thing. Like they explained the Hulk transition. And I told him about that. I said, you know, Mr. Rogers taught me not to be scared of you. And he said, you should be. Oh wow! Scared, and he—he he was incredible. It was an incredible experience, and when, I. Uh, when he transformed back into Bill Bixby, is that yeah. when? Like, did you play possum with Lou Ferrigno? Because clearly he's got super strength. Well, yeah, did you kind of wait thing until is, he. Bill Bixby has been dead for twenty years, so when he showed up on set, I was really rattled. Oh, so you won? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. I, he wasn't much. Of a I, al- I alphaed him. I said, I alphaed him. <laughs> I, I, I just said. I said, I dare you to bring Bill Bixby out here. And he started crying. It was it was bad. It was a bad scene. Oh I'm, not, I'm not welcome back. Listen, Tommy, we, we've got a great episode. We've got, you know, uh, Luke Cage being repped by me. We've got the T-1000 being repped by Ray Stacanus. And, I, you know, the only question I have for you, do you agree with my original statement that Terminator 2 was the best Terminator movie in the entire franchise? James, Godfather 2, Terminator 2, Shrek 2, Back and to bu- the Future 2. Major League Two. These are movies that are we all accept are better than the original. Yeah, of course. Of course I take Terminator 2 as the finest. Michael Bean, a fine actor. Don't need him. Robert Patrick, T-1000, yeah, a fantastic. I mean, T- Terminator 2 is the first R-rated movie. I'm going to extrapolate on this later that I ever saw. I, it had a profound impact on my life. Uh, Terminator 2 was, I will say, set me on a course that I had not previously been on. Like, it pivoted my life fully. It, I was a different person after I saw Terminator 2. No pressure, Luke Cage. But, wow. If, if I talk like Arnold as a Terminator, will this in any way sway your decision? It'll trigger me, yeah. I mean, I, I'll, uh, I'll start to sweat. All right, so listen, we've got a great judge, clearly. We've got Ray Canis. you got me, you got the T-1000, you got Luke Cage. This is going to be an epic battle. With all of that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the hero who baked up some sugar cookies for the holiday season, so it'd be a sweet Christmas for us all, Luke Cage. And representing Action Cinema, the Terminator who came to L.A. to dominate and win, just like Super Bowl winning quarterback for the L.A. Rams, Matthew Stafford, (sighs) excuse me, the (laughs) T-1000. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, well done, Ray. Again, I use those. I say well done, Ray, all in air quotes. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules about who would win match. Now, rule number one, each debate will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, you know, I'm, I'm wondering here, are there any shenanigans that are going to be pulled? What version of the T-1000, if there are multiple, will you be using? The T-1000 is primarily used in the movie Terminator 2 Judgment Day. There are points in other Terminator movies from the franchise where the T-1000 and its offspring have appeared. I'm mostly going to be sticking with the T-2 version. There are a few examples I'd like to bring up because it is the same creature technically, so that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to say the movie franchise version of the T-1000. All right, listen, there's a lot of different versions that are all epic of Luke Cage. You've got the Netflix series. He's been in animated form a number of ways, and they've all been fantastic. But again, I got to be me. I'm sticking with a Marvel 616. That's of right. Of course you the are. The comic book version. Because yes. you know why? Listen, we all want to grow up and be Luke Cage. Let's just face He's it. He's incredible. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give them less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge, that's you, Tommy, decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. That's key. Now, now James, real quick, I just want to interject. Uh, am I allowed to bring in my knowledge of the Marvel role-playing game in which a former judge of this show, Benny Arthur, portrayed Luke Cage in a campaign that I ran, and I felt he phoned it in. And he really did not do Luke Cage any justice. Do I have to weigh that against him, or am I allowed to disregard that? I would order you to disregard that. Okay. And by the way, uh, Benny and happy Arthur, birthday to Benny Arthur. Yeah, Stop. Benny Arthur. By the way, uh, seriously, a national treasure, super funny guy. He was a judge on the uh, Doctor Who versus Rick Sanchez battle, and uh, listen to that episode. And there was a real interesting turn of events at the end of that. All right, rule number six: the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates. These rules are established logic. Feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to the Who Would Win Facebook page to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch. By the way, it's time to celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today, and what is their battle? You know, we have a brand new patron as of the last week, and their name is Slushy Nugget. So today, <laughs> Slushy Nugget is going no. to be our patron. No, of, no, no. That's where it's at. We are using Slushy Nugget. And Slushy uh, Nugget. Mr. James, uh, who is Slushy Nugget fighting today? Look, there's only one opponent that is worthy of a battle with Slushy Nugget. And that's the yellow Power Ranger from the original Power Rangers series in the Trini? early 90s. That's correct. Well, what ends up happening, of course, is that we have the yellow Power Ranger, who, of course, is going to call the Zord immediately. Because when Slushy Nugget arrives on scene, you bring out the big guns right away. You don't mess around. So you have the Triceratops right there. And so the Triceratops are going to arrive on scene. And then Slushy Nugget, this is crazy, though. Slushy Nugget has spent about 10 years in a cave learning the death touch against robotic triceratops just for this moment. And so all Slushy Nugget does, walks straight up, finds the spot, two fingers of death, 
The Triceratops dies. The Yellow Ranger actually concedes the battle right there because a display of power like that is not to be trifled with. Slushy Nugget takes the win. Ray, I don't want to interject too much, but would you say he opened it up, got on the floor, and everybody walked the dinosaur? I would argue everybody walked to the dinosaur and administered two fingers of death. Shout out to (laughs) Was Not Was, my favorite 80s band. That's great. Now, now listen, I, the reason I picked Trini, the Yellow Ranger from the original series, is because, you know, a lot of people talk about the Red Ranger. A lot of people talk about the Green Ranger. Sure. It was really Trini, the Yellow Ranger, that held the team together. When everything, when the you-know-what hit the fan, Trini was the one who stepped up and made things happen. Definitely the most powerful and most important of all the Rangers. With that being said, yeah, Ray, I think you rep Slushy Nugget perfectly. I see how Slushy Nugget gets the win. Absolutely yep. 100% correct. Well done, Ray Sakinis. Yep. Great great job, Ray. We did it. Absolutely. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. 
Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, <laughs> let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for the T-1000. The T-1000 Terminator is an amorphous robotic killing machine from the Terminator movie franchise. It first appeared in the movie Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 1991, was created by James Cameron and William Wisher Jr., and was played brilliantly, might I add, by Robert Patrick. Made of nanotech liquid metal, the T-1000 came from the future to kill a young John Connor before he could become the rebel leader of the humans in a future timeline when robots conquered the world. The T-1000 can mimic people and take their likeness, as well as mimic inanimate objects and use its malleable body to create sharp blades and also regenerate. Fun fact, a small detail that went somewhat underappreciated in Terminator 2 is that there is one human trait that the T-1000 rarely does, and that is blink. Actor Robert Patrick trained himself how to fire a real gun, be around explosions, and fight all without blinking at all. What? Yeah. This makes sense as he's a robot who wouldn't need or want to blink when in the middle of a combat situation. But it's a nice touch that the filmmakers considered this for the final product and Robert Patrick delivered on it. So that is the T-1000. That is awesome. I thought he was brilliant in that. He was also brilliant in The Sopranos where the T-1000 got into a gambling problem, like yes. a gambling debt. It was crazy. With I Richie April. I couldn't that believe crazy. that he's a, a T-1000 is Peacemaker's dad. That really blew me away. He was great in True Blood as well. T-1000 was amazing in all these roles. And truly, truly, the range he showed. Well, he has, he has a ton of range. He's an amorphous uh, robot. Like, you know, of course he has range. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right, now here are the important details about Luke Cage. Luke Cage's first appearance was in Hero for Hire number 1, published in June 1972, and he was created by the team of Archie Goodwin, George Tusca, Roy Thomas, and John Romita Sr., Luke Cage is an ex-convict in prison for a crime he did not commit, who gains the powers of superhuman strength and unbreakable skin after being subjected voluntarily to an experimental procedure in prison. Once freed, Cage becomes a hero for hire and teams up with fellow superhero Iron Fist as part of the duo Power Man and Iron Fist. He later, later marries the superpowered private investigator Jessica Jones, with whom he has a daughter. Since that time, Luke Cage has been a member of several teams, including the Avengers, and is now part of the go-to group of heroes within Marvel that needs to save the planet or even the universe whenever the need arises. And here's an interesting fact about Luke Cage. Did you know that there were numerous attempts to make a Luke Cage film way before the Netflix series even came out? It's true. An adaptation of Luke Cage Hero for Hire film had been in the cards for well over a decade before Netflix came out with its own series. In fact, Quentin Tarantino 
expressed interest as early as the 90s with Lawrence Fishburne in the main role, though he ended up passing the project in favor of that small little movie he did, you know, Pulp Fiction. So Columbia Pictures was in possession of the rights for a long time after that, and they were angling for a John Singleton-directed film starring anyone from Jamie Foxx to Tyrese Gibson with Terrence Howard as the lead villain. Several other names were in contention over the years, including Isaiah Mustafa and even Idris Elba. Any of those actors would have been great. I don't know, but there's just something really cool about a 90s version of Lawrence Fishburne that makes me think he would have been, right? Wouldn't he have been perfect as Luke Cage in the 90s? Thank you very much. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Tommy, do you have any questions before we get started? I'm going to be so fair. I've got stories ready to go. I've got preconceived notions. Uh, you You guys have no idea... The depth of these two characters are so important to me. Of all of the times I've judged this show, I've never had a personal connection to the two characters more than this now. Uh, except for Venom, which caused my parents' divorce, which was the first show I ever did. But uh, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Ray, go ahead and here's your point number one. Point number one for the T-1000. We're going to talk about his strength and his agility because he matches up very well with Luke Cage in both of these categories. Now, one of the things you could say about the T-1000 is he is very, very strong. We've seen the most common opponent that we're going to be talking about with him is the T-800 played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is the villain from the first Terminator movie, obviously, and has won previously on the Who Would Win show. And, and we're going to turn it around. He's going to be fighting him a heck of a lot, so strap in for that. He's knocked the T-800 across the room with one shot. He just reached out, kicked at him, flung him across the room where they were sitting in. Uh, at one point, a, the different version from Terminator Genesis, the T-1000, r- was running at the T-800 model. He cut off his own hand, flipped it up in the air. It turned into a spear. He grabbed the spear with his other hand and then threw it across an entire warehouse. It impaled T-800 against a wall from across the entire warehouse. That is a feat of weird strength and other liquid stuff we'll talk about later. He's ragdoll tossed the T-800 before. The T-800 weighs how much? It's, it's in the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pounds. He is a gigantic robot. He got tossed around like a ragdoll. He took a metal rod and he speared him all the way through with a non-sharp metal rod that went through the entire uh, a very difficult to penetrate body of the T-800, and that's just his natural strength. He runs really fast, too. Now, I did read about Luke Cage running, and James, I'm not going to steal your thunder on that, but I will say the the T-1000 has run to the point where he can chase after motorcycles and people on on motorcycles, as well as, you know, the trucks, the cars going down at full highway speeds. He's just putting his hands up, and he's just going to run all the way through, keep up with, if not catch, those running vehicles. Another cool thing that I saw is a little bit of durability. T-800 went to go punch him right in the head. And he actually went into his head and he allowed the T-800 to put the fist through his entire head because he's made of liquid metal. He didn't just sit there and like take it and let it like hit him. He absorbed it and then moved the arm through his body to the point where he was now grappling the T-800 with a kind of a nerve hold, which isn't really going to work against a robot, but against somebody like Luke Cage who's going to come up and try to pound you up close. If he's to throw a punch at the T-1000, the T-1000 can basically absorb his hand, absorb his arm, and put him in a very vulnerable position. 
I mean, obviously, Luke Cage is the unbreakable skin. James, again, I'm sure you're going to tell us all about that. Don't get me wrong. But the fact is that uh, if T-1000 punches Luke Cage in the face, Luke Cage gets punched in the face. If Luke Cage punches the T-1000 in the face, he gets moved, absorbed, and now all of a sudden he's fighting for his life against a grapple maneuver. That's just a bad place to be. And the last thing to mention is because I thought it was cool. Strength feet. He uh, headbutted the window of that helicopter and then poured himself inside to the driver's seat. One of the craziest things, because you know those windows on helicopters are reinforced. They're designed to take like rocks and birds, uh, unfortunately, at very high speeds. And they don't break very hard. So the idea that he just wound his head back, cracked all the way through the windshield of the helicopter, means he's bringing too much strength to the table for Luke Cage to handle. And that's my point number one. Okay, Ray, you're a monster. I was going to start off with that right away. True uh, sociopath. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, right? Who, who says, like, hey, my favorite part of, you know, the strength demonstration, the T-1000, is when he breaks through a helicopter window, which, according to my video viewing, uh, kills birds when they smash into them. That is disgusting and horrible, and I applaud you for it. Now, a couple of things you said, which are absolutely incorrect. The T-800 only weighs around 400 pounds. Now, that's a big, heavy robot. Don't get me wrong. So, flinging that around is, is not unimpressive but that's nothing compared to what luke cage can do the strength that the uh, t-1000 has maybe is five tons that he could pick up and throw which is really impressive by the way but he that is a literally a fraction as strong as uh, luke cage uh and finally of course nerve holds won't work on luke cage again you mentioned the four impenetrable skin and uh that's it i mean really you kind of overrepped the t-1000 that one James, wait a minute. According to the official Marvel directory, Luke Cage weighs 425 pounds. So I think it is an apples-to-apples apples comparison to talk about the Terminator's weight in this particular regard. We're talking not just about the... We're talking about strength, right? So yeah, he weighs 425. He's 6'6". Big, again, I said before, we all want to grow up and be Luke Cage. The reality is, though, he, they may weigh the same, but the strength is nowhere the same between what Luke Cage can do and what the T-1000, you know, you're presenting him as. But let me kind of get into that my point number sure. one. Now, you know, Luke Cage, for point number one, Luke Cage got these powers. It was called the bursting process. And this is where all these, uh, you know, uh, enhancements came into him. Long story short, someone was trying to replicate the super soldier serum that Captain America took, you know, yet again, all that kind of good stuff. It didn't quite go as planned. Maybe it went a little bit better than what they anticipated because the net effect is Luke Cage got all these powers. Now, some of his powers, let's talk about them. Let's talk about super strength. Let's just hit it off. He can lift 50 tons. He's so strong that he carried a massive semi-truck with a fully loaded trailer for seven blocks with ease. It just broke down. He's like, I need my truck over here. I'll just pick it up. And he walked it over seven blocks without breaking a sweat. He did that with ease. He can pick up and throw a bulldozer great distances. Look, picking up Arnold Schwarzenegger, T-1000 or T-800, 400 pounds, you know, push him across from him. That's awesome. He picked up a bulldozer. Luke Cage picked it up and threw it. He's so strong that he punched through, uh, you know, Susan Storm from the Fantastic Four. She put up these shields. They had a fight. And, of course, Luke Cage, Luke Cage punched through those shields, which is insanely hard to do. Uh, he's so strong that he can prevent a full-size commercial passenger plane from taking off after it's already started down the runway. Again, that's impressive that uh, the T-1000 can headbutt something as hard as a bird can fly into a helicopter window. Again, weird comparison, but whatever. Let's talk about an airplane, commercial airplane, full size, 
and Luke Cage can prevent that from taking off. That's after he runs after and catches it and stops it mid, you know, mid takeoff. Again, he's got super speed. He can run over 40 miles per hour. I actually think that's a push. I think they're just as fast as each other in that regard. So that may be a factor, may not be. Uh, like here's a cool one. He can jump to the top of a building that's five stories high, probably even higher. He can also jump super far distances, not as far as when the Hulk does it, but in a very similar style. He's got super strong. Yeah, he's really crazy. He's got super stamina, you know, where he can fight for like a whole day at peak capacity. He's got an accelerated healing factor. He heals at least three times faster than someone. Plus, he's got this willpower just makes him never stop. You know, he's never going to give up. He's going to keep on fighting. But let's talk about his durability. This is what he's known for, right? Now, they say his skin is as hard as titanium steel. It's actually a lot harder than that. Uh, Daredevil, who's a trained boxer, took a shot at Luke Cage and broke his hand on his gut. Gave him a gut punch. Boom, broke his hand. Luke Cage is like, you knew better than to try that, but you did it anyway. Broke his hand. Let's see. Using crazy attacks with his sword, his gun, a martial, everything, Daredevil just went nuts on Luke Cage. Luke Cage really just stood there and stopped him by just kind of flicking his arm at him and then broke his legs horribly and just stomped him, but really did nothing to prevent the attacks because they just didn't phase him. When it comes, let's see, Black Panther hits Luke Cage so hard that he realizes that even his strongest blows won't even phase him. That's Black Panther. He can take an enraged Cyclops' optic blast full blast, and he's absolutely fine. Gunfire, sniper bullets, shotgun blasts. He literally just ignores all of that stuff now because it's just not worth his time. In fact, he took a bazooka hit at point-blank range, and the only thing that was damaged were his clothes. That's what upset him, by the way, because his clothes got ripped, and he's like, these are really nice clothes. That wasn't cool. So I guess if you want to upset him, just rip his clothes. Let's say he can take a fall from a 14-story building, get up fine. He's tank shots from the thing, the Hulk, the Rhino. You see where I'm going with all this? He can withstand the human torches, like, like super hot, fiery stuff, whatever he does when he puts out the flame. Super, it's called Seminova, super insane hot, not a problem for Luke Cage. Electricity, acid, chemicals, nerve disruptors, all that doesn't affect him. And not only do swords and sharp objects typically not phase him, but they typically break when they try to stab him or hit him. And if all that wasn't enough, here's my favorite. He's even now got nanites in his body to help him stay super durable on the insidey places. That's a medical term. As durable as he is on the outside, put all that together. That's my point number one. Okay, you're saying a lot of you're saying a lot of stuff right there, James Gabs. You know, I do have a couple of things to push back on. Obviously, I do agree that the speed is going to be a push. I did the look at both of them. They both seem to be about 35 to 40 miles per hour running speed. That's a push. You're going to talk about Luke Cage's strength so much higher than the uh, than the T1000. I don't know if I believe that. Maybe a little bit stronger, but it is an apples to oranges comparison because I'll ask the question: How much water can you carry, James? Oh, by the way, you're not allowed to use a glass, a bucket, or a vessel of any kind. You just have to carry the water. The answer is you can't carry a whole heck of a lot of it because of the way that it's going to run through your fingers and onto the ground. If something is made of liquid, like a liquid metal T-1000 that can flow at any point, Luke Cage cannot just pick it up above his head and throw him to the moon because he just becomes liquid and then he becomes very hard to manage. And that is the reality of this fight that works very strongly against Luke Cage. And you talk about the Super Soldier Serum, it did give Luke uh, Cage some power Hours, but this was made by like a C plus scientist. This is a guy who did not study in his mad scientist school very hard. Oh. He barely got three. <laughs> he barely got through educational C's, integrity. That's right. C's get degrees, and that's why this super soldier <laughs> oh, serum no. failed. It failed. It did not imbue him with. So if you want to pretend he's Captain America, that's on your conscience, James. It did give him the great skin. He's got enhanced strength. He's got a little bit of a healing factor. 
He's got a little bit of, you know, of super speed, but only by like a little bit. Like that's the whole thing. He's enhanced in many ways. The skin is the big thing he has going for him. He's not Captain America. So stop with that comparison right now. First of all, a couple of things. He he does have great skin. Absolutely. It's, it's oh, flawless. 100%. It's flawless. It's beautiful. Yeah. Secondly, you're right. He's not Captain America. In a lot of ways, physically, he's superior Get to out Captain America. We agree on that. Nonsense. And finally, I just wish he had ways to attack and take out opponents who could kind of do similar stuff to the T-1000. Maybe I have something about that later. I have no idea. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Now, Tommy, you've heard two points. You've heard one point, I should say, from both Ray and myself. Where's yeah. your head at with this battle so far? Well, it's it's uh, it's story time. As I said before, Terminator 2 Judgment Day was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Uh, I was at my Aunt Monica's house uh, with my cousins, the Pike Boys, notoriously early smokers, smoked at 13. <laughs> and we had, uh, we had Tara Mulvaney with us. And Tara was the object of all of our affection. And we were all we were all in love with Tara. We were watching Terminator Two, and I had to pee really bad, and early on in the movie, and I was holding and holding. And at a certain point, I could no longer hold anymore, and I pissed myself as a as a sentient human, not a baby. The first time I've ever pissed myself was during Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and the first time I ever saw that movie. So it is a jarring psychological memory for me. Now, does that have anything to do with the show we're currently talking about? No. Was that a huge waste of time? Maybe. Here's where I'm at so far. For you wrestling fans out there, Luke Cage takes damage and attacks... And people are surprised that he survives it. Like, they're like, oh, he can do that. T-1000 is an Orange Cassidy to me. Like, he is a... They, you launch an attack at T-1000 and he steps and he absorbs... Like, it's just expected he can withstand... Like, he is effortlessly unstoppable. And so right now, T-1000 gets the advantage just because Luke Cage actually has to try. Whereas T-1000 does not have to try at this current point in our battle. In the argument, like T-1000 is just a killing machine. Luke Cage is a human with morals and ethics and thoughts. T-1000 has, he has a prime directive of murder. So I think of T-1000 as he's effortlessly letting Luke Cage tire himself out. That's where I'm at so far. I'm not normally ahead after point number one because I'm just jabbing. So the fact that I am right now fills me with a lot of hope. Good. You shouldn't. <laughs> it's almost like it's it's being like filled up in another way that Tommy just described. In the end, it's going to come out. Now, Ray, I know you're not used to being ahead, but uh, I'm actually very comfortable in this position. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for the T-1000. Let's talk about his regeneration, his toughness, and the fact that he is a robot. He is a robot at the end of the day. Uh, he, he, he has the ability... Because he is an, they refer to him as an android on the official Wikipedia page. But to me, android always meant had some sort of like human components. So maybe I just don't know what an android is. The whole point here is though, he's got a robot brain. 
And the robot brain knows human physiology in a way that uh, absolutely cannot be uh, uh, underestimated in any possible way. And it knows every single way to kill people. You know, it'll stab, it'll impale, it'll, it'll shoot, it'll electrocute. It will use all manner that it could throw people off of buildings, I'm sure, if it knew how to. And it does. So he knows how to kill. He is a single-minded focus robot who is there to kill. Luke Cage has thoughts and feelings, and he's a human being, and he can only think so fast. He's just a human being. The T-1000 is a robot with like a 10 million computations a second or however math works, and he, he's going to think a lot faster. He's going to come up with plans on the fly a lot faster, especially when he realizes Luke Cage's skin cannot be penetrated by his metallic uh, uh, attacks. That's just, I w- I'm already willing to say that. Adamantium, vibranium, those types of metals will probably work to cut Luke Cage, I don't think the T-1000 is bringing that level of metal to the table. I'll just go ahead and say it right there. It's a mimetic polyalloy. I've never heard it compared to adamantium, so I'm not going to make that comparison. But we've seen him take a lot of damage as it goes because being a liquid robot, he's able to take damage without really worrying about it. It only slows him down for a few seconds each time he takes massive, massive hits. And we're talking about basically like shotguns, assault rifles, that kind of a thing. He got shot by a shotgun while he was running after a vehicle, didn't lose any speed whatsoever, really, and then picked up what speed he had. He maybe got knocked over, but he made up the ground. You know, that's just who he is right there. He, uh, he, he got bullet wounds. He recovers almost immediately. You see it like dent into his metal skin, and then it just absorbs it, and he just keeps going. He got impaled by a spear. That was no problem. He was able to keep fighting and barely even noticed that it was there. Larger artillery, like, blew into him. Remember when he was at the elevator and the shotgun blast square to his head, blew it in half. He was staggered for about five seconds, rebounded from it, and immediately continued the attack again. That's the whole point. What is Luke Cage possibly going to do to the T-1000 that's going to put him down for more than three seconds at the most? He got hit by an ambulance in the Terminator Genesis movie, the T-1000 in that movie did, hit straight out by an ambulance, flew across the store because somehow they were inside of a store when this happened, and he just got up and kept fighting again right away. He's, I mean, like, Luke Cage hits real, real hard. Getting hit by an ambulance going full tilt also hits real, real, real hard, and that did nothing to him at all. In fact, he's been able to uh, truck explosions that he's been in and just walk away safely from explosions from vehicles while he's in the vehicles. Uh, He got blown into pieces. Remember the liquid nitrogen attack, which actually froze him? He got blown into pieces and then just regenerated, and and then the pieces kind of dripped back together again and just kept on fighting. See, the thing about Luke Cage, and I'll get into my point number three, He has some weak spots. There are ways very specifically to kill and damage Luke Cage. The T-1000, being that he has no anatomy, being that he's a morphous liquid robot, he has no weak spots. There's no way that Luke Cage could hit any kind of a soft spot on him that's going to do anything remarkable at all. Luke Cage is in deep trouble in this matchup, and that's my point number two. Again, I got to push back on a few little things. So first of all, you said, you know, I do agree that the T-1000 has human, the complete knowledge of human physiology, right? I mean, it's almost like a stated fact of the T-800. So yeah, he's got that knowledge. But what kind of knowledge does he have against a superhuman? Remember, this is a whole different universe. Superhumans, never mind people as powerful as Luke Cage, aren't walking around. So he has no frame of reference when it comes to taking on Luke Cage. By the way, how long is it going to take for him to figure out 
how to actually hurt Luke Cage. Despite Luke Cage having maybe some spots that aren't as durable as others, they're still durable, how long is that going to take for the T-1000 to figure out? It's going to be quite some time. Now, the other thing I got to say is when he did get shot in the movie, the T-1000, he did lose momentum, he did lose speed, and what's interesting is that it took sometimes he could recover right away and keep on running, and sometimes based off the damage, it took him a while to get back up and kind of reset himself to get going. So let me explain why that's important in my point number two, and this is where I want to kind of talk about the fighting methods of both. So before I talk about Luke Cage and how he could beat the T-1000, I've got to bring something up, and, and you know, the T-1000 is a great character. I actually love the T-1000 but it's got some definite limitations. Against humans, again, I already mentioned this, the T-1000 is a very scary thing. Against the T-800, it's also just way too powerful, just way too much. But again, against a superhero, like Luke Cage, the T-1000 is really out of its depth. So the T-1000's fighting skills, when you think about it, they're not that great. He's a good, or it's a good brawler. That's what I would call it. From an MMA standpoint, he is a, or it is a good brawler. Uh, it knows how to throw people into things. It knows how to push people really hard. He knows how to stab people when he turns his arms into stabbing implements. But it doesn't try to get out of the way of being hit. There's not a lot of self-preservation happening there. That's going to work to its disadvantage. It has, again, little to no technique in its fighting capability. So when it first encountered the T-800 in Terminator 2, it takes a second to figure out what's happening. Because I don't know if you remember, when they grab, each grab the shotgun and they're in the, the back area of that mall, the T-1000 is kind of like, almost like, wait, what? This thing can resist me? The T-800 can resist me? And they both kind of like, what's going on? What's going on? Going back and forth, analyzing. And that's when he starts doing it. It took him a second to figure it out. That's going to take him a much longer time to figure out what's going on with Luke Cage. Uh, let's see. And it continued to be very broad, like whenever they, they encountered each other, right? Whenever they encountered the T-800. By this way, by the way, it's what this also revealed is that it showed, in my opinion, the T-1000 didn't even have previous knowledge of the T-800, right? A previous model, right? Because it just didn't think it was going to encounter a T-800. It thought it was just going to encounter humans already at a big disadvantage knowledge-wise. Speaking of damage, you know, the T-1000 can be damaged, by the way. According to the Terminator Wiki, and I kind of suspect this as well, in the liquid status, you know, because it's got millions of, like, nanobytes or cells or whatever, this thing can still feel heat. You can still stomp on it. You can still damage it. It's not true water. It just looks like, it almost looks like goo from, like, a nanotech kind of goo kind of mass. So the nanobots can take damage by hard enough impacts, and those hard enough impacts cause it to take some time to restructure and recombine. We saw that with the shotgun blast. Let's see. Uh, and each time the nanobots take severe impacts, they do get, according to that wiki, more damage and more damage and more damage. So something that's going to hit it super strength over and over again, this thing's going to start getting worn down. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about Luke Cage for a, se a second. He's a master street fighter. I mean, he's just listed as being a master street fighter with decades of experience. He's also a top-level martial artist and trained fighter because he's been trained for decades under Iron Fist, one of Marvel's top fighters. And Iron Fist kind of helped him develop a fighting style that works for Luke Cage using his rare physicality and powers for that style itself. He's done everything from thunderclaps. We've seen the Hulk where he brings his hands together and he creates like hurricane winds. Luke Cage can do the same thing to a lesser degree, but he can still do, still do that. Send people flying, break stuff apart. That's how you fight water. Hit it with wind, blow it away. Uh, let's see. He's not opposed to using dirty techniques. He's grabbed people. He's literally torn people apart. Something turns liquid on him. Great. He'll grab a handful, toss it miles away. Why couldn't he literally just grab chunks of it and start tearing it and tossing it away? He's going to figure out the, how the T-1000 works really, really quick. But, you know, here's the other thing. you got to remember, he's been fighting against opponents. I'm talking about Luke Cage here, 
way more powerful than him, and he sometimes typically beats them, and he's has got a lot of fighting experience against these villains who have crazy assortment powers for decades as well. So he's very smart, he's very intelligent, he's tactical. When the T-1000 comes into attack, it's going to take some time for him to figure this out. Luke Cage already has that fighting experience. He knows what's happening. He'll be able to figure out the T-1000 very quickly, and he has all the tools to beat it, maybe in crude ways, but he's going to beat it all the same. That's my point number two. Okay, now hold on just a sec, because you said he can... The, the Incredible Hulk does a thunderclap ability, which creates earthquakes and tremors. Luke Cage does it to, oh, a lesser degree than the Hulk. Folks, I do that move to a lesser degree than the Hulk. That doesn't mean a gosh darn thing. And the T-1000 doesn't need to dodge. This is the thing that I think you're completely overlooking, James, and probably on purpose, is the fact that, yes, the T-1000 is going to need to figure out what Luke Cage's deal is when he goes to stab him and he don't stab. Much in the same regard, Luke Cage, who thinks he's fighting a police officer is going to need to figure out what's going on when he goes to throw a punch at the guy's head or, or, or throw a kick at his midsection and then he absorbs the kick <laughs> and then rotates it. Luke Cage isn't prepared for that. Luke Cage thinks he's fighting a person and one has a robot brain, millions of computations. The other is a human being who, I, you know, Luke Cage is not a dumb guy, but it's going to take him longer to formulate a plan than the robotic T-1000 will. And also, he can't just grab pieces of the T-1000 and tear it because he maintains that solid form. When he goes to grab him, he just disappears from his grasp if that's what the T-1000 wants. Or he goes to grab him, and then he just gets, you know, the body goes around Luke Cage's hand, trapping him inside. He's not just going to be able to reach out to the T-1000, rip off a piece of goo, and throw it to the moon. That is absurd on any level on any level and you talked about oh the shotgun blast slow him down well i hope luke cage isn't going to be punching and kicking and grabbing like i know him to be i hope he brings a shotgun because if he doesn't bring a shotgun i don't think he's going to be able to have the same level of attack that the t-800 even did in his own movie lots of good stuff coming which i will be handling in uh point number three but i like where you're going with this ray all right tommy You've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Now we're at the turning point. Yeah. This is where you tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out the victory. Well, if you thought I didn't have a Luke Cage Power Man anecdote to go with my pissing my pants T-1000 anecdote, you're simply wrong. Because in Rochester, New York, there's a restaurant called The Ground Round. And they had a Marvel superheroes giveaway where you would get magnets of Marvel heroes, and in the collection was the Hulk, Power Man, Gambit, and Wolverine. And my friends, through I, I to this day believe pure racial injustice, grabbed the three non-Power Man magnets, and I was left with the Power Man magnet, and that piqued the curiosity. I was like, I have watched X-Men 93, the animated series, Spider-Man. Who is this guy? Let me, this is pre-Wikipedia. This is pre, you know, just tip of your fingers information. Let me learn about this man. Let me learn about Luke Cage. Let me learn about Power Man. I've gone back. I want to believe in humanity. I want to believe. I want Power Man to be able to defeat T-1000. And I am starting to buy in. I thought I, 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 thought I was going to be a Steve Jobs turtleneck, just autonomy, like, Let's just believe in robotics and technology. But you are, James, you're winning me over with Power Man's just unbelievable durability. 
Because at the end of the day, as Billy Joel said, it's all about soul. It's all about faith and knowing where to find it. I think Power Man, I think he, I think he's got that durability. So I, I'm no longer as sure about T1000 as I was. Hmm. So it's almost like uh, you know, Luke Cage is like the uh, Carvel ice cream. Luke yeah. Cage is Fudgy the Whale. T1000 is Cookie Puss. Ooh, you don't want to be that. Yeah. You don't okay. want to be Cookie Puss. Really in, in a world full of Cookie Pusses, be Fudgy the Whale. Be Fudgy the Whale. Ah, uh, I, I see. This is this is the magic of Tommy Bechtold. This is the magic. All right, race to Canis. I think this means we're kind of tied right now. It's time to come in for the knockout shot. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three for the T1000. Let's talk about that liquid metal because I've been talking about aspects of it, but let's talk about why this is legitimately how he's going to beat Luke Cage and it's not going to be even much of a competition because one of the first things that he can do is he can mimic people and objects. So anybody that he's come into contact with, he can mimic, which means that if they're fighting in an area where there's other people around, nothing stops the T1000 from ducking behind like a dumpster in an alley turning into someone else and then getting the drop on Luke Cage who isn't prepared for that kind of an attack to come at him he's looking for Robert Patrick and all of a sudden he morphs into Linda Hamilton Luke Cage is like dude did you see where Robert Patrick went boom T-1000 is going to drop him right there. And don't forget, the T-1000 can become inanimate objects as well the T-1000 once became the floor Luke Cage is not expecting attacks to be coming from the floor. <laughs> this is not a character that he's aware of. This is not something that he's prepared to fight against. That is a big thing in the Terminator movies, is the fact that when the T-1000 shows up, in every single time the T-1000 has shown up, somebody there has known what he is, known what he can do, and has like protocols in place for defending against the T-1000. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the second one was like, okay, this is a T-1000. He's liquid metal. He can become people. Your foster parents are dead. It's a terrible moment. I got very sad about that. But he knows what's up. He's not going to be surprised by the attacks as they come. But what happens to every other character in that movie who doesn't know what a T-1000 is? He wrecks them. And he wrecks them quickly. And what are the methods of attack that the T-1000 seems to favor over others across multiple properties? One, a sharp stick through the eye. Oh, the eye is one of Luke Cage's weak spots that's not invulnerable. And one of the big moves that the T-1000 does is he puts the finger out, zoop straight out from a distance, and drives straight into the eye through the brain, killing him. Because Luke Cage's outside is pretty hard to damage. His insides are squishy, just like a normal human being. So if the T-1000 gets in there, forget about it. And let's not forget how he killed the foster parent. How did he do that? With a blade through the mouth with the little milk uh, container hanging from it. What's another weak spot Luke Cage has? The mouth. The eyes, the mouth, and the nose are the ways that you can kill Luke Cage and get inside of him. And what are the places that the T-1000 attacks first? The eyes and the mouth. The soft parts are the parts that he goes for. The T-1000 has arms that can become blades, hooks, spears, any one of a number of different stabby implements aiming for those weak spots that are already pre-made on Luke Cage. And we even saw the T-1000 grow a third hand to operate the helicopter. If you remember that crazy scene. 
So Luke Cage is expecting to fight against a normal person. This guy can grow extra appendages to fight with on a whim, grow extra blades out of his body at a whim. Forget about it. This guy could also, what if Luke Cage tries to use like environmental effects, drop a building on him or whatever? That's not going to work either. We've seen the T-1000 walk away from not just explosions, but walk through gates before, walk through, and just poke a little hole in something and then ooze his way out of it. There's really no way for Luke Cage to use the environment to his advantage in this battle. So the combination platter of the fact that Luke Cage has no prior knowledge of the T-1000, which is essential for beating him, and the fact that the environment's not going to be a factor, and also the fact that the parts that the Terminator strikes first, the T-1000 strikes first, are the weakest spots on Luke Cage means this thing is over, and the T-1000 is the winner. Interesting. Let me answer some of this real quick. So first of all, Luke Cage's eyes are in fact insanely durable as well. They can withstand bullet shots. If you get shot in the eye, it does like, you know, it's like you get hit in the eye, it hurts, but it doesn't break the skin. The mouth is also insanely uh, durable. So it's not like stabbing through the eye is actually gonna work. It'll definitely make him feel uncomfortable. He'll be like, ow, my eye, how dare you? Now let's talk about um, his mimicry ability, which is really cool by the way. And I love that whole aspect of the movie. So Luke Cage has a ton of experience with Marvel's best mimickers or shapeshifters. They're called the Skrulls. Right. And there's a they're green. They got the weird ears and all that kind of stuff. Something bad happened their chin. And, you know, they've got uh, an ability to duplicate any animal, anyone copy voices, the whole thing. They are the masters of mimicry. Luke Cage fought a whole bunch of them in a storyline called Secret Invasion in Marvel comic books. Oh, yeah. Where they all came in. They started taking over other people. And Luke Cage was one of the people to discover who they were and start figuring out, OK, wait, that's not right. That's not right. And started taking them out. So in terms of mimicry, he's got that experience fighting people who can do that. Now, let me get to my point. Point number three, and all is about to become very, very clear, okay? Let's talk about some big wins because, look, you know, the T-1000 was great, and he went up against the T-800, did really well against the T-800, but still failed ultimately. Not a bad thing, but Luke Cage has some real heavy hitters he's got to take on the Marvel Universe. Let's talk about some of the wins. He uh, he beat a character named Sabretooth. Sabretooth, who is Wolverine's main nemesis, has a healing factor like Wolverine, heals everything really quick, has adamantium bone structure, everything, and Luke Cage beat Sabretooth not once, but twice. And why? Well, Sabretooth tried to come after his girlfriend, do something bad to her. Luke Cage was like, really, you're doing that? That's cute. Grabs him by the throat, starts pounding him so bad, he's literally about to kill him somehow until Iron Fist says, hey, you're one of the good guys, remember? And Iron Fist, and Luke Cage is like, got it, and just leaves him like a mess on the floor, lets him heal, which takes him a long time. He's also knocked out and beat the Rhino who's like a super powerful person. He pressed 80 tons, one of Spider-Man's most powerful villains, and he literally knocked him out. Now, he actually took on and beat the Juggernaut. Now, hold on for a second, Ray. I know where you're going to go with this. This was a weaker version of the Juggernaut than normal. He wasn't as invulnerable. However, he was still class 100, which is the top tier of strength in Marvel. And of course, Luke Cage knocked him out too. He also beat Doctor Doom. Now, of course, that was the 1970s. Doctor Doom hired Luke Cage for something and didn't pay him. Luke Cage found him in his castle, wherever that was, and demanded the $200. Dr. Doom's like, no, forget it. Luke Cage started beating him horribly, knocked him around, got the 200 bucks, and Dr. Doom's like, wow, okay, I give up. I didn't know you'd be that adamant for $200. It's $200, Tommy, like seriously. Now here's a cool one. He actually beat a character named Power Man. Figure that one out. So what happened was, there was a character who could grow into a giant, and they called himself Power Man. And Luke Cage is like, wait, what's going on? So they get into a huge brawl. Luke Cage knocks this guy out, takes him out, and says, you know what? Not only did I beat you, I'm taking your name. That's why we all want to grow up and be Luke Cage, because he can do that. 
But you see, here's the deal. Luke Cage actually fought someone very, very similar to the T-1000, except it's like, you know, the Peacemaker, what was said about Peacemaker versus Idris Elba's character in Suicide Squad. He's like you, except just way better. So the character who's just like T-1000 that Luke Cage has fought only way better is Venom. Oh, yeah. Remember, Venom doesn't sit that well with you, Tommy. Well, I'm about to help you get over this in a big way. So here's the deal. Venom can shapeshift. He can make weapons out of his body. He can pour himself through small spaces. He's super resistant to injury. Has super insane strength. You see where I'm going with this? It's insanely vicious. So Luke Cage fought and beat him twice. But the first time was kind of like an unexpected thing. The second one was an all-out brawl. And Venom like just went down. So how did power? How did Luke Cage do it? He was very good with his fighting. Hit him in the right spots. Tore him apart. Neutralized everything he did, and just overpowered this person. The symbiote powered Venom. Took him out completely. Now. What can Venom do? Well, Venom can do everything the T-1000 can do. Again, only just way better. Stab someone by turning their hands into sharp stabbing implements? Yeah, Venom's got that way better. Grow extra appendages and hands? Venom can grow thousands of those if he wants to. Super strength? He's stronger. Speed? Venom's way faster. Level of threat? Venom is much more of a threat than the T-1000. And again, Luke Cage beat him not just once, but twice. Sure, this is a random encounter, but the edge here in experience that Luke Cage has with the Skrulls, has with Venom, has with every other Marvel character that he's had, all of his misadventures or adventures, whatever you want to call them, he's more than prepared to go up against a shapeshifter who's super strong, who can do all this cool stuff, and knows how to beat him because he's beat people way more powerful who can do way the same things, just way better. That's why Luke Cage wins, and that's my point number three. Now, there's a lot of absolute trash show happening right there in your argument. A, a few things to mention right here. Now, I want to reiterate, James, you're going to pretend that suddenly Luke Cage's mouth and eyes are suddenly superhumanly powered. No, those are his weak spots. It's known by every single aspect of every Marvel wiki you will ever look at. You can pretend things all you want to, but when he takes a shot to the mouth, he's going to get hurt. If you put a shotgun in Luke Cage's mouth and pull the trigger, you do an insane amount of damage to him and will put him down there's a point where a piece of shrapnel gets into his body through his mouth and it basically is going to kill him because he cannot be operated on because you know you need very special equipment in order to do it but another cool thing about luke cage is he takes internal damage even if his external body doesn't get hurt if he takes enough shots to the head or takes sufficient shots to the head he suffers concussions it's happened to him in the comics before and getting thwanged by the uh, t-1000 is absolutely enough to give him some sort of internal injuries which the t-1000 also doesn't have to worry about the one cool thing i want to talk about here though is an attack that happens from a t-1000 model in, in 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 not the t2 movie but in a different property it is a she in this particular one is attacking somebody by getting right up close to him right where luke cage is going to be right in front of the t-1000 and then turning their face into liquid metal and pushing itself with with very fast speed right down the throat of the enemy in front of them and literally vaporizing their insides with the liquid metal property. If there is one attack in either of these two characters that will get the job done, it's going into Luke Cage's mouth when he's not seeing it coming because he can't prepare for that, especially at the start of the fight. Going into his mouth, eroding all of his internal organs, he is done. He is absolutely done. The T-1000 is unfortunately has a perfect matchup against Luke Cage. I'm just sorry to see it happen because I like Luke Cage. Was that the Terminatrix? Was that the T-1000X? 
the T-1000, I think, two. But the, he did, the T-1000 two didn't do anything different and didn't do anything special that the T-1000 wouldn't also do. So that's the T-1000X, if I'm not mistaken, the next level up, just like it's not the T-800. Just just trying to get that out there. Okay. Okay, I no, that's cool. It's heard. It's heard. It, that's heard. That's heard. That's cool. All right, Tommy Bechtel. Yeah. You've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. Now it's time for you to make up your mind. Take us on a journey. Take us through your process and tell us who wins this fight between Luke Cage and the T-1000. I've listened intensely, and I was moved emotionally through corridors and pathways. I went on a journey with you guys. I love Luke Cage. Luke Cage is one of my favorite Marvel characters. I, Before Mike Coulter brilliantly portrayed him in a Netflix show, I wanted a Luke Cage personification. I would not have chosen Cowboy Curtis, Lawrence Fishburne, but I, I love Luke Cage. Every argument you make, James, makes me think Luke Cage could stand toe-to-toe with T-1000 and do significant damage to a T-1000 robot. But I go back to Nintendo, original Nintendo logic, law of attrition, perpetual motion, Things are going, like, they'll fight forever. Who will remain at the end of the day? We know Luke Cage is immensely powerful, but T-1000 is not on that same grid. T-1000 is a robot, is a program. He is made to not tire. He's made to not exhaust. He's made to not, like, he has a prime directive not to go Star Trek, and that is to kill. Luke Cage is conflicted with human thoughts and impulses and it's really hard for me because I think physically Luke Cage could tear T-1000 apart. But in a fight, which is what we propose with this show, in a street fight, at the end of the day, I don't believe Luke Cage could exhaust T-1000. I believe T-1000 could exhaust Luke Cage. So that's why my winner in this battle is T-1000. Oh. Wow. Wow. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Huh, I'm going to have to process this one because I like the logic. I really yeah. do. And I like your approach on this. Yeah. I, I, mm, I'm I, trying to wrap my head around this. While I'm doing that, Ray, give us your reaction. Congratulations. You won this fight. Tell the crowd how you feel. Look, I feel great about this. As soon as I started breaking down this matchup and looking at the pros and cons of each character and figuring out, like, which, what are the angles of attack here? And I saw the way that Luke Cage had very specific weaknesses to spots on his body that immediately matched up to the ways the T-1000 strikes first in all his attacks. That in itself told me I was going to be in for a good day. I like the attrition point. I did bring up earlier a lot of the robot thoughts and the fact that that Luke Cage is merely a human. Uh, I actually had written down here, you might have to lock and load the John Henry argument again of John Henry versus the uh, the, uh, the steam shovel, and they go into the mountain, and only the steam shovel comes out because John Henry doesn't have the endurance to get it done. I didn't need to because Tommy felt it along with me the entire way. Well, he wins, but he dies. Does he win then? Yeah, he wins. Well, that's that's what I, <laughs> but that's what win? I'm saying is like the survival. When you watch Terminator 2, one of the most upsetting, terrifying parts of it is the killing is irrational. T1000 murders people completely out of function and formality. He go, you're in my way. You get mowed through by a liquid 
jagged edge. And when you're a kid, it's terrifying because you're like, he's not thinking about anything. Like, he's just going, you're in my way, get out of my way. Luke Cage doesn't have that luxury. And that's why that was, to me, at the end of the day, that's why that it had to be T-1000. Look, the T-1000 showed, like, like just ruthlessness, the way he was stabbing people in the eyes, the way he was shooting people, taking advantage, tossing people out of helicopters, right? But the most ruthless thing he did, remember at the arcade at the beginning of the film where he's trying to find John Connor or whatever, and one of his friends is just trying to stop him, he shoved him really yeah. hard. You remember that? He that was just, just He just pushed him hard. Him just shoved him hard. Like That's bullying, and there's no there's, there's no, no excuse for, for bullying. That is not the most thing I saw. No, an arcade no. is a sanctuary. You don't it push is. people in an arcade. Then, Tommy, yes. I definitely have some thoughts for you. Okay. Oh, I got thoughts for you, which uh, we'll reveal on, on for our patrons yes. in our in our third degree segment that we'll oh, do uh, shortly. My nightmare. Oh, it, yes. it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad, oh, like real bad. The way only a James Gabsy can do. But with that being said, I enjoyed you having on the, being you having you on the show. I should say you were great. You were funny. You gave us great background stories on you, uh, Rochester, Buffalo, two yeah. places I never thought I'd visit, but now I'm going to go to. Come Thanks on, to you, Tom. get out there. Go see the house guitars. Go see Batavia Downs harness track racing. See our many casinos, some Native American themed, some just paid for by the New York State government. It doesn't matter, baby. Get to upstate New York and get lit with me. Well said. All right, Tommy, thank you for being on the show. Please come back. There's a reason everyone loves you, and you put that on full display in tonight's episode. Always honored to be here. So, Tommy, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me at Tommy Bechtold on all platforms, T-O-M-M-Y-B-E-C-H-T-O-L-D, and I'll appreciate any follow, and I follow back, and I mean that. I'll find you. You follow me, I'll go to your house. All right. Race to Canis, congratulations. This was a good I win. You were down the last two fights, but you came back swinging. I appreciate a good fight, and that's what you brought tonight. Tell everyone, our legion of audience, our amazing fan base, where they can find you. Well, first off, let me just go ahead and say, the after the last victory, the last inexplicable victory, because I should have had like 50 in a row at this point, people had mentioned the fact that, ooh, if James wins the next matchup, he's only one win away from getting Samurai Jack on the show, to which I have to say, you can take your Samurai Jack and stick him where the sun don't shine. He's not coming. So for all of my awkward allies, for all of my Rainiacs out there in the crowd, Congratulations, first off. You found your way to the light. You found your way to the truth. You find yourself away from the darkness that is James Gavsey. Congratulations. You're part of the good ones. You're part of the awkward allies slash Rainiacs. You made a big show on the Thunderdome that we recorded right before this episode of taking a shot of the magic mind. www.magicmind.co slash www. Bookend it. That's how you do it. People don't say the www at the start anymore. I did it just so you could bookend it. That's called marketing. Take 20% off your order. I will just let you know that I tricked you. I said I had not drank my magic mind today, but I had. I drank my magic mind earlier, and that's why I was so sharp and focused. In fact, one would argue I was sharper than the tip of the T-1000's arm when he's stabbing Luke Cage through the eye. In any case, you can find me on Twitter, at AlmightyRay. Let's have a hashtag Victory Friday, everybody. I'm here for it. 
So first of all, I did take a shot of Magic Mind, and I felt great. I was on it today. I, I got to tell you, I do think I outdebated Race to Canis greatly. I think Tommy, uh, you know, is wise. He had his reasons for that. But tune into Patreon because I'm going to tear Tommy apart. I'm going to do it politely. I'm going to do it with a smile. I'm going to do it the only way James Gavs you can do it, fueled by Magic Mind. If you thought the intox intoxicating mind fog was a thing before, just wait. So I'm finished with you after the third degree. Well, you're a muscular Canadian, which is the most terrifying thing. In the <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of us up north. I've always said they're the nicest people on earth, but when they get muscular, you got to watch out. They can That's hurt true. They can really hurt you. <laughs> Those moose ain't going to kill themselves. That's right. They can grapple you. Dudley yeah. Do-Right was not, that was a biographical piece of work. <laughs> they tried to act like that was just a piece of fiction. No, that was real. Now I've lost my train of thought. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. By typing in at James Gads. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community, almost 10,000 strong just on Facebook alone. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Sup everyone, Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and movie trivia podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 